0: you're listening to the next phase of cybersecurity podcast. With this series, you can stay up to date with all the latest information and trends in the cybersecurity space by hearing from today's leading analysts, end users, and vendors so that you can be prepared for all scenarios to help protect your business.
1: Hello and welcome to the next phase of Cybersecurity Podcast. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcasting needs. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360, and your host on today's episode. Now, joining us this week is Greg Hansel, who's the Senior Manager of Fraud Consultancy at OneSpan. And we're going to be going over his industry expertise on social engineering cyber fraud. So, Greg, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on today.
0: Thank you, Isaac. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Really an honor. Thank you.
1: Very welcome, and it's great to have you on. I think this is a good area to delve into. But before we get into all the questions and everything like that, would you mind just giving our listeners a bit of background on yourself and maybe a bit on OneSpan?
0: Gladly, yes. Um, thanks. I'm Greg Hansel. So I head up the uh, fraud consulting at OneSpan. Uh, we bring trust uh, in a digital space towards financial institutions. The way we do that is we help to secure uh, their interactions in devices, uh, secure the user, and secure the transactions. Um, my background is in fraud, uh, stopping it, not doing it. Uh, so many <laughs> years in that space, um, uh, understanding different types of attacks, and more recently uh, focused towards uh, digital financial cyber. Excellent stuff. Well,
1: you're, you're always busy then. You're never out of work, which is always a good, good area to be with a fraud. So excellent start. Um, starting off this podcast, it's always good to kind of go back to basics and let people know exactly what we're talking about with this subject. So from your perspective and everything that you've learned and seen over the years, what is social engineering cyber fraud and how have these attacks been affecting banks over the last few
0: years? Yeah good good point Uh, so social engineering is it's a psychological manipulation of people uh, and what you're trying to do is get them to perform action or to divulge uh confidential information so fundamentally you can say you're attacking a human psychology right so um, they deliberately tap into maslow's hierarchy of needs uh, and what the the parts that they're looking into inside of that pyramid are safety and security, um, to make the victim feel fearful um, and have a sense of an immediate need to take action, and potentially coerced into doing something that they would not normally do. Um, and also, there's a, a another feeling psychologically of wanting to help people. So, uh, when social engineering is is being used um, in cyber fraud. Uh, typically, the, what the attackers are doing is um, trying to convince somebody into doing something they should not do and uh, take an action they should not take, be that to click on that link on that email or to disclose some information that they should not uh, disclose. And if we focus in, I guess, on phishing, let's say, uh, which is one of the social engineering techniques, uh, we know that in last year, in 2020, the number of incidents is has nearly doubled in the United States, according to the FBI. And specifically, financial institutions are being targeted heavily. And that's because it's a very successful attack. And it's, uh, it's, it's very useful. And the, the techniques that they have are becoming more sophisticated. They're having more success. And we know as well that the world has changed, that we, we now reside. There has been an acceleration uh, towards digital uh, adoption. By the enterprise and the products and users around that. So, what we know is that um, with this increased adoption, there is increased capability of attackers to to go into that space and make more money um, with potentially lower risk of of a, of a penalty as well. Interesting. It's. Um as you say, with this is nothing
1: new. That's kind of been happening, and it's it's only kind of adapting and developing. As we always know in the security space, people find new ways to to bring in different attacks or to adjust to to different changes that are going on. I, I find the techniques that they they're using interesting, as you said, using the hierarchy of needs and. and getting baiting people in with that just walk me through a little bit more about these kind of techniques um that they're using to conduct these frauds on banking customers how frequent they
0: are how different
1: they are things of that nature
0: sure thing thanks yeah so um the the different techniques they have uh, mainly in the um Financial space would be phishing or smishing or phishing role playing, um, and and if we focus on phishing, well, what is that? Uh, that that is sending an email to somebody, either with an attachment or a link, and the purpose of that is um, making the the victim either to click on the attachment and open the attachment to potentially deploy malware on their machine, mm. or to click on the link. Um, because they have convinced them that potentially there has been an account takeover, let's say. So they now need to go through a recovery process by resetting their credentials, providing their details. And of course, they're not interacting with the bank's website. They're interacting with a fish site. So all they're doing is giving all their details to an attacker who will then use that. In a, a smishing uh, scenario, it's, it's somewhat similar. So rather than that being delivered via email, that's coming over an SMS uh, with a malicious um, payload or, or a, a malicious link in- included that somebody would uh, click into. In vishing, uh, that's where you, you would get a, a phone call uh, from an attacker. An example might be they may pretend that they are uh, the bank and say, hi, uh, we've noticed some unusual activity on your account. We would like to talk to you about that. Uh, We will now send you a one-time code or a one-time password. Mm -hmm. Of course, what they're actually doing in the background is trying to log into the user's bank account. And by doing so, it delivers that one-time code. And they then ask the, the victim, their target, to read back the code to confirm that they're talking to the bank. By doing so, they then enter the account. Um, so in that scenario, they, they already have done their background work um, and they already know something of, of their victim. Uh, and it's typically they will move to a vishing attack when there is um, one-time passwords in play. And another, another type of uh, social engineering that, that's occurring is, um, and increased a lot, in fact, uh, this year specifically in the corporate banking space, is invoice fraud. Um, and, and that is where you uh, would simulate an invoice. Uh, and you could do that through attacking a partner of of the um, company that you would like to simulate, getting access to them and then propagating out to the system w- that will generate the invoice. Right? Or you could simply generate it yourself or perform an account takeover on somebody's account that would generate those invoices. And ultimately what you're looking to do is keep the invoice looking the same, but crucially change the beneficiary. So when it comes to somebody reviewing that, if they're not paying attention as to what the accounts are for the company that they should be paying, well, they will likely make that payment. Um, so it, it's a it's a very successful attack, uh, unfortunately, in that sense. Um, um, and why are they doing this? Well, they want to gain access to something. And, and that can be to deploy malware, to uh, turn your machine, so your, your PC, your laptop, uh, your mobile phone into a device that can then be used as part of a botnet to then increase the number of attacks that they can make. So to automate it, turn it into a zombie, if you will, <laughs> that's controlled by them, or to potentially um, push ransomware uh, and hold, hold the victim to ransom. And therefore, ask them to make a, a payment. That's increasing a lot uh, across organisations, or to get you to disclose something. Now, or to, as I mentioned, to potentially get you to trick you to do something. And I guess uh, something that's quite important in this is the fact that what we note is that in inside of the dark web, where the attackers will will use similar to an Amazon. Um, App, if you like, but for for their side with all of their goodies, uh, they have ratings of different types of uh, tools and different types of um, techniques that they could use. And what that allows them to do is potentially have crime as a service, where they will pay an amount to get access to an advanced tool that will allow them to do phishing, allow them to do smishing, and and on a mass scale. So what that's done is it's fundamentally reduced the barriers of entry four would be attackers whilst increasing the complexity of the attacks and the availability of the attacks so it's really it's a it's a tough time that we live in
1: it it really is i think that's the the best way to describe it um because as you say it's there's so many different methods and there's so many different ways of going about it. And you and me and, and vast majority of the people who listen to this podcast are very lucky that we work in the space and we know what's coming and we can spot stuff as it comes in. Cause you know, I've had the kind of smishing attack Uh, messages coming through and all those kind of things, but you're able to identify them. But for a more general public view of things, it's sometimes very difficult to tell the difference between these emails, these text messages that are coming through, because they are getting very good and as you said i was having a conversation yesterday about the the invoicing scam as well it's just another thing that comes in because we've all done it we receive an invoice yep done next one move on so it's it's yeah it's being very vigilant isn't it and being very careful as to as to what's going on
0: Yes, yeah, I fully agree. And what I'd say as well is that fundamentally, user security, okay, the, it, it is up to the user to be careful in how they use their device, where they visit, things like But ultimately, it's up to the financial institution to secure them. It because is, yeah. quite rightly, as you say, you can never expect uh, a general public to have that level of knowledge. I mean, I wouldn't know what their job is, so why would they know what mine is? So, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, so we, we really need to um, bring them context and trust around the actions that they're doing and also an understanding of a decision point. So somebody, mm-hmm. somebody should not really be um, taking an action where they don't know what that action correlates to. And that's where things like multi-factor authentication are very important and contextual authentication because they actually deliver information to the user and say, well, this is what you're looking to do. You're looking to log in from this device, from this IP country at this time. Is that correct? Right? or you're looking to make this payment to here for this amount um so it starts to ask people to consider what they are actually authenticating and signing and that's really important um that, that, that we we do that
1: Definitely, it's 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 a two way street. It's yes, we can try and educate the public, but as you say, it comes down to these institutions putting the proper proper things in place to to make life a lot easier and a lot more seamless as well. So, uh, I think that's interesting, and and it leads me on to my next point because from the research from when, when we were putting this episode together it's one span firmly believes in the ai ml ability to enable that next generation of continuous monitoring in banking to stop fraud which i think is a very important step going forward can you give us some case studies or examples of the ways in which banks are benefiting from these technologies
0: Gladly. Yes. (laughs) 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 Explain that better than I would. Um, So uh, continuous monitoring is perhaps a good place to start as a concept. Um, What does that mean? Well, every interaction that you take as a user inside of, say, an application for mobile banking or uh, inside of a web bank account is then recorded. And, And that information can be provided to a solution that will understand that. So continuous monitoring is not just looking at a login and the transaction, it's looking at all interactions by a user. And why would you do that? Well, you can start to understand behaviors of users. You can start to understand the way that they interact with a the page, their speed, their navigation, the types of things that they would likely do. You can also determine if it's a bot <laughs> or a human, and that's quite a useful distinction to be able to make. So continuous monitoring allows you to collect more information. As well as that, it allows you, as, a say, a fraud team, to transform from a reactive approach to a more proactive approach. And what, what I mean by that is many times, a fraud team will have great tools towards the transaction and reviewing the, the payments, but not necessarily all of the non-monetary events that occur before that, which are many more. And therefore, you might decide that actually you don't want to allow that transaction to occur. So what you could actually do is you could re-authenticate a user or bring more trust in in what they're doing prior to the transaction to potentially reduce the authentication that's required at at a later point or increase the authentication that's required at a later point or potentially even stop the session, stop the interaction. So continuous monitoring allows for that. And what do you need to do? Well, when you take all of this information – You you need to give that to the correct type of technology that can make sense of it all. And and therein comes machine learning um, because it has the capability to learn from all data, to to ingest large volumes of data. And as a human, we are Uh, biased. When I work in a fraud team, I can only see so much in a day. I already, unfortunately, have biases. And if these things uh, happen, I then get affirmation bias, so I believe it more. Uh, So fundamentally, we're we're not in a great place as humans to get a holistic view on Mm -hmm. on our customers' data, our users' data, and to understand behaviors around those devices. So what you can look to do with this is learn um, complex fraud patterns, get a behavioral understanding of your users, and fundamentally reduce the amount of attacks and the amount of alerts for banks to a manageable level and also enable compliance uh, towards that. And a a byproduct, perhaps not the main aim, but this is still very valuable, is that uh, we arrive at a point where lots of product managers that we speak to, uh, authentication product managers, now start to get a real feeling for what their users are doing on their products. (laughs) So we can tell them, well, actually, you have friction on your login and this is why you have friction on these events and this is why and that's really powerful because if you can balance that trust and reduce the friction that ensures that people have a much better experience and also they don't take th- actions that they shouldn't take as well
1: mm hundred
0: percent agree I'm,
1: uh, I'm going to leave the the data and bias discussion alone because I feel like we could be here all day but uh, I think you're uh, you're 100% right in the sense of like using the data to understand those friction points makes things so much more easier for progression and understanding where those kind of faults lie so yeah it's an exciting space to be in to kind of see the benefit of AI and ML and what that can kind of bring going forward Um, I wanted to, to also talk about last year the uh, everyone's favorite year, the year of the breaches, as well, from a security standpoint. And IBM security trustees mobile security research team they exposed a massive mobile emulator farm social engineering fraud operation that affected US and EU banks. So, what can banks do to prevent the likelihood of, of more of these grand attacks, the really
0: big ones? yeah a really good point so this is a game changer right so um what did they do well they perfectly emulated users devices so what does that mean well any bank that just uses client-side information so device information so what is the operating system uh, what is the model what plugins do they have what browser are they using things like this languages Um if you just rely on that well then they will successfully uh, be able to get access to your users. And what else did they do? Well, they automated the attack on mass scale. What that meant was they were able to understand the flow of of data towards their target banks and and ensure that they make the right type of requests and then crucially intercept the one-time codes. So because those one-time codes were sent via SMS, they're in clear. So unfortunately, the victims weren't necessarily aware that they that they had been attacked because their device had been emulated and the code had been obtained and mm-hmm. uh, the attack was carried out. Now, in terms of how can we defend against this? Well, companies do need to move away from telephony-based um, delivery of one-time codes and move more towards apps. And why would you do that? Well, I said earlier on, you really need context around the action that you're taking. If you deliver a one-time code to a user via SMS, and that's valid for anything that they would do, well, then the user doesn't know what it is that that one-time code was generated for. So what's important is that through an application, you can actually explain to the user, look, you're generating this one-time code or one-time password for this action. So that brings them context and trust back to them. And at the same time, it brings context to the bank as well, because now they have access to all of the information around that mobile device, um, such as the geolocation, the security of the device, whether it has been jailbroken, whether there is a presence of malware, a keyboard overlay, all of this good stuff. Plus, you can secure uh, the communication of that one-time code to the user and their response and make use of a biometric to sign that that authentication. So, what you're able to do, therefore, is shield the application, understand more around what is happening for that user, and the user has more understanding, and you can monitor that in real time. Because what we need to realize is that, and you, you touched into this a, a moment ago, last year was a record year. We had 37 billion records stolen, unfortunately, and I calculate roughly with some terrible mathematics, but I'll say it anyway, (laughs) around 10% of the global population was compromised in one year, their identities. So what does that mean? Well, if anything is relying on those data fields to potentially um, start to provision a device of create an authenticator or to um, start the identity process or to recover a user who is locked or anything like that. Well, that's probably compromised now and we need to accept that. So it's crucial that you can monitor where the users are coming from, what they're doing and why they're doing it. And another point I would say is that just because a one-time code is correct does not mean that you should allow somebody to do something why mm. are they doing that? Is that their normal behavior? Is that actually okay for you? You know, As a bank or a financial institution, you should know about all of your beneficiaries, the number of payments that are made to them, what's usual for them, when your users log in, what they normally do, how they interact, what countries they send their payments to, and also all of the digital information that's available to you as well around their devices and their securities. And you should have a capability to dynamically understand trust on their devices. It is not static. It depends on what they're doing and where they've been.
1: 100% agree. I think that's very extremely crucial information, actually, um, in terms of it not being static is is the big takeaway. And, and understanding that is, is is a massive plan to go forward and to really be beneficial for it as well. I wanted to wrap up this podcast here by asking the big question to kind of uh, solve everything that we've been speaking about today. Um, There's not going to be one answer because everyone's different, but from your perspective, how can banks, but also the enterprise as a whole, safeguard them and their customers from social engineering cyber fraud
0: yeah great question <laughs> i wish there was a, a, a golden bullet <laughs> so i mean I, I would say that we need to accept uh some things such as identities are stolen and not to rely on these legacy points um mm-hmm. accept that Banking is perhaps a little bit behind in some areas. There are some great fintechs that are innovating, which is fantastic, and pushing it forwards into a digital age. And what does that mean? Data. So make use of this data. Make use of technologies. Make use of uh, server-side analytics, real-time decisioning inside of sessions. Make use of strong technologies uh, for authentication that bring secure contextual authentication ensure that you continually monitor the user and their devices um, and apply a continuous monitoring across all of their channels. You should not be looking at them individually. And from, I guess, an enterprise perspective, well, many of these enterprises have fantastic individuals and tools inside of their security operations center protecting the enterprise. Well, It would be great if that's shared with the product team. (laughs) So don't just look at defending yourself or your your part, but expand and think holistically. Well, how can we share threat intelligence? How can we reuse the tools that we already have? How can we build up a network of information that allows us to understand the behaviors of our staff and of our devices and of our customers and their devices? of course, fundamentally educate, you have to learn. And if you are in uh, banking, you need to educate yourself on APIs, on machine learning, and on server-side analytics and different types of attacks. Uh, and we, we do need to show respect to the attackers because they're really building up quite a battery of tools to to attack uh, organizations. So we need to keep learning and, and, uh, and every day is a school day. <laughs>
1: I think that's the yeah perfect pull quote there. Every, every day is a school day, and uh, whenever we talk about whether it's cybersecurity or fraud or the, the whole umbrella of terms, it never stops. It, it it's never boring this this area of work because the bad actors the the attackers are always going to be innovating which means that we have to keep innovating as well um and i think the advice you just gave there greg was spot on and uh yeah i think people are going to be wise to take that on board so thank you for coming on today's show giving us your insight into all of this and uh walking us through
0: it it's a real pleasure thank you for, for having me Max, And uh yep i look forward to listening
1: <laughs> it will be a good one exactly thank you greg and uh, thank you everyone who took the time to listen to this episode we do hope you took a lot away a uh, lot of great information in this episode if you do want to learn more information especially from onespan's perspective then head on over to their website which is onespan.com there are some fantastic resources on there and i'm sure if you need to speak to a member of the team they'll be happy to help you out we'll be back next time with another episode in this podcast series and Until then, you can join the conversation at EM360 Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. Subscribe to this podcast. And of course, for more great daily content, you can head on over to em360tech.com.